was the sense that Windsor was the worst place to live if you're a woman. I want us to change the narrative to say Windsor is the Essex is the best place if you're a woman to live, to start a business, to grow a business, uh, and to be a leader. Women are 67% less likely to self-promote than men empower women entrepreneurs. Women owned 34% of businesses in Windsor Essex. Women have to be part of that process. They need to be part of that plan. Women were underrepresented in every single area. We can ensure um, that we can continue to move the dial. Found that they had imposter syndrome. In terms of Rise Windsor Essex, increasing the number of women entrepreneurs. And that addresses the needs of women entrepreneurs at this time are designed to really celebrate women. Welcome to Made It Happen podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hafling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting young female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. I've officially teamed up with Rise Windsor Essex to bring you stories of Windsor Essex's very own female entrepreneurs. We're here to celebrate women in the area who have made it happen. Today, I'm here speaking with Noor from Build a Dream. Noor, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Yes, of course. So how about we start off by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business? Sure. Well, my name is Noor Haysham Fawaz. I'm the president and founder of a national organization called Build a Dream. I started it off as a grassroots initiative back in 2014 while working at a women's organization, helping um, women on social assistance get off uh, social assistance and into the workforce. And we realized at the time that there was a significant barrier to women accessing career pathways in the skill trades and STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, very male dominated industries, yet there was a huge skill trade shortage and companies um, we're not able to recruit enough people to join the skilled trades or science, technology, engineering, and math. Yet women represented such a low number in those areas. So we started uh, running different initiatives, one being Build a Dream, where we really focus on attracting and empowering young women to consider these as career pathways, these, uh, these different uh, career opportunities. And it was a huge success the first year. We hosted an event in the evening where we invited parents and their daughters to come learn from female role models about these career pathways, um, hear from industry about the different jobs that are available, and then also connect them to educators so that they received all the information they needed in one space um, while still breaking down some of the stereotypes and perceptions that were out there about these career pathways because that played a significant role in why young women didn't consider these uh, as an option. Uh, so in 2014, it was a huge success and we kept organizing it in Windsor as a collaborative effort with different local community organizations like Women's Enterprise Skills Training of Windsor, Workforce Windsor-Essex, uh, St. Clair College, the University of Windsor, and all the school boards played a pivotal role in uh, the growth of the organization, what is now the organization. In 2017, I realized that um, through all my experience working at a not-for-profit and then in education, that this was not unique to Windsor, that there was barriers uh, to women accessing these career pathways across the globe, but predominantly also across Canada. So I decided to register uh, the organization as a not-for-profit with the goal of taking our platform 
across the nation and trying to support thousands of families in helping to encourage their daughters to make career-informed decisions and to consider these valuable opportunities that are high-paying, in-demand, and quite rewarding. Um, and here I am today, uh, still running it. I left my full-time job at the University of Windsor right before COVID uh, to really pursue this full-time. Uh, we were in the midst of scaling quite rapidly and uh, I made a very difficult decision to leave my full-time position to to pursue something I, I'm really passionate about and, and believe in um, and here we are today. Yeah no that's amazing and I think what the organization does as a whole um, has such a strong meaning behind and it's definitely very impactful in this area and you talked about how Build a Dream sort of they have the different events and the trade skills um, expos and stuff. What are some of the other services that they are offering? And I know you said it's rapidly expanding right now. What are some of those other options as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, as I look at my various experience in economic development and workforce development and having been in the not-for-profit sector and then working at the college and then the university, um, a lot of my work was directly uh, related to supporting the industry in recruiting the right talent while helping underrepresented groups get into these positions. So I had a lot of experience in designing and creating programs that were targeted at, at particular groups. So whether it was getting women off so, social assistance, working with disadvantaged youth that had multiple barriers to employment, working with newcomer uh, professionals or youth get them uh, accustomed to uh, the Canadian way of job searching because that might differentiate based on the country that they're from. So really helping job seekers build their, their skills, experience, and network to get into the workplaces, but working with industry to recognize that there's a different approach that we must take um, when we're trying to recruit diverse applicants and create a more inclusive working environment. So naturally, um, as Build a Dream evolved, and we, we had such great success in launching these events where uh, we'd have thousands of families come out to all of our events, uh, close to 50 companies really invested in wanting to diversify their workforce and realize that in order to do so, we need to focus as early as grade school and high school because we need to build that talent pipeline. We need young people interested in these pathways. So while they're deciding on their uh, career choice in grade nine and 10, they're actually going down these pathways. So once they graduate, um, whether it's the apprenticeship pathway, they enter the workforce immediately, or whether it's a college or university program, they're going into uh, STEM programming that can get them down um, those, those, the engineering pathway, for example. So as Build a Dream evolved, so did our um, ability to solve some of the challenges that were identified at the community level, at the education level, and at the industry level. So we found in a lot of cases that although companies or educators wanted to get more young women um, into these particular pathways, the approach in itself and the way we did it, they did it may not have aligned with how young women made their career decisions. So for example, we know from our experience in working with young women and talking to them, that when a young woman is trying to decide on her career pathway, oftentimes she's associating her future career with a work-life balance, recognizing that one day she might start a family and that she'll have to be able to balance a full-time career and being, and being a mom. 
or the, the uh, desire to want to help people. So I often hear from young women, I want to go into professions that help people. So it's no surprise that many of them decide on careers in um, as a nurse or as a teacher, uh, which is very nurturing and very helpful. But for us, it was really important to show young women how you can have work-life balance in the skill trades, how you could also be helping people by becoming an engineer and potentially designing buildings. So we began to realize that there's specific language, techniques, and approach that is more conducive to reaching the audience, the target audience that both an industry and education were trying to reach. And so our organization has evolved from, from using the event as a catalyst for us to get in front of the targeted audience, whether it's young women or industry or education. And then the work that we do after, whether it's through awareness campaigns or working with um, industry educators on their diversity and inclusion strategy to really change the system in itself so that it becomes more conducive to not only attracting uh, women into the industry and recruiting them, but retaining them and advancing them. Because we do know that um, whether it's the skilled trades or science, technology, engineering, math, uh, we get women into the industry, but we're not keeping them. And that's a huge loss to everybody. It's, it's a huge loss to um, the female that pursued this pathway. It's a loss to the educators that, it, that, um, that invested in her pathway and then to the economy because when you can't recruit for the talent you need, companies can't grow. So that's where our organization has really evolved and um, has has focused not just on working directly with youth, but working with educators and industry to diversify and create more inclusive practices. Yeah, absolutely. I think there is so many great points you touched upon there. Um, and especially, you know, with young women who are deciding on their future career path and what to pursue. Um, what advice would you have to someone who maybe is in that position right now, not sure what to pursue? and sort of undecided about their future, what sort of advice would you have for them? Yeah, I definitely always encourage students, whether it's a young woman or a young man, about um, keeping their doors and options open. I, I, I do genuinely advocate for a change in the way in which we help and assist youth in discovering and exploring new career pathways. The economy, um, the workforce has changed dramatically, yet the way we advise students on their career direction is still the same. So I use often use this example. I'm in grade nine, I want to decide what I want to be when I grow up, and I decide that I want to be a teach, I want to become a teacher. I technically won't become a teacher for another nine to ten years. I have four more years of, of high school to finish another four years of my undergrad at the university, and depending on the educational teaching program, it's another year to two years that I have. So that's a 10 year, nine to 10 year journey ahead of me, yet we know alone in this example that we're in with COVID, how much that's disrupted every job, every position, every industry. So how do we expect young people to make these decisions in grade nine and 10 where in eight years, we have no idea. We can imagine, we can look at the trends, but yet technology is progressing much more quicker than the curriculum could keep up. So my advice to young people, especially young women um, who are currently in the midst of exploring what career pathways for them, 
to not let their lack of self-esteem or confidence limit their decisions. And I know that I've been there where um, I didn't feel I was strong enough or good enough or smart enough to pursue a particular pathway and may have closed the door way too early that could have led to so many great opportunities for me. And the other advice is don't let others dictate where you, you're meant to be. I think that we're all different, we're all unique, and really being confident in the direction we want to take despite what others have to say is key, especially in a, in a time where we still define um, the role of women in industry and the role of women in, in the home um, in traditional ways. Women are, are more likely to take up most of the childcare um, responsibilities. They're more likely to take a step back um, in their career. And I often talk vocally about the importance of you can have it all, you can balance it, if you choose that that's the lifestyle you want or that's the future that you want and how valuable and important it is for young women to build and develop their self-confidence because what we're finding is it's so much related and associated with the decisions we make in terms of our career our financial independence in our future and where and where we belong at the table and i'm often constantly talking to young women and encouraging them uh, to build their self-confidence because the second you believe in your, the ability of your potential and the, the second you believe in, in yourself, uh, the goal in itself uh, or the ability to reach that goal does not become the obstacle or the challenge because you've eliminated that barrier where you don't believe you're good enough or you're smart enough. You've said to yourself, I will learn the skills and the um, and, 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 and reach the goals because I have the right mindset, I'm willing to put in the work. And that's what, the, that's what I encourage young women to do, as well as think of your financial goals. I don't think we talk about it enough as females and where, where I know just from research and experience, men are more likely to pick careers that will help them uh, progress into leadership and that will lead to very high paying, uh, financially rewarding positions where women are balancing something that's a little bit more nurturing and something that's more work-life balance. That is important, but it isn't until we often invest in education that we realize we're worth more than that. We should be reaching higher uh, financial goals and financial independence opens the door for so much beyond just that paycheck. It gives you the ability to make informed decisions um, and uh, confident decisions that support you in your personal life and in your professional life. So that's one thing that I'm often advocating for that we really need to help uh, young women feel a little bit more financially secure and financially confident so that when they go to negotiate their salary, they're not hesitant in terms of their value. And I've seen it firsthand, like interviewing both men and women, the difference when I ask a woman, what is her salary expectation? And, and when a man answers it, and I'm telling you, we're talking 20 to 40, sometimes $50,000 difference in their ask. And even in the confidence in their ask, like men do not hesitate to say, this is what I'm looking for and this is what I want, where women will often go around the question and then, you know, give a range and then say, oh, I'm up for negotiation. So I, I often talk about the important role that we play in building their confidence in the in their financial independence is so key as well.
Yeah, I definitely agree. And once again, you touched on a lot of great points there. And I think, you know, like you said, talking about financial independence is huge. And it's something that people are very uncomfortable with talking about. And um, I really like the example that you gave. And it's interesting when you see that firsthand um, play out in interviews. And, you know, you talked a little bit about sort of your journey in your career and how you were getting to where you are today. Was there sort of one pivotal role in your career that you've had that has, you know, got you where you are today and really, you know, got you in the direction you've been wanting to or even the position you're in now? I think it was a a combination of many different experiences, situations, relationships that I've been able to develop and nurture over the years. Um, I often talk about uh, my personal situation and being raised by a single mother and, um, you know, starting university with my parents uh, divorcing and my mom entering the workforce for the first time and my siblings and I being the first to go to post-secondary and uh, my mom never even finished high school. So having that post-secondary education was extremely important, not only for my siblings and I, but for my mom to see that her kids have succeeded and they, they're, they're opening doors of so many different opportunities because now they have a degree um, uh, next to their name. So I felt like I always, based on the challenges that we faced growing up, I built the ability to be resilient and strong and advocate for myself. Um, but I feel that it wasn't until, quite honestly, I became a mom just over two years ago that I found this new sense of confidence um, and belief in myself in a way where I've learned to set boundaries. I've learned to really advocate for what I deserve. I've learned to um, say no because I have so unbalancing my professional career, my family home, and my and my son. Um, and I often say that time with my son Adam is non-negotiable. So it made it much easier for me to. Uh, become more confident in the life I wanted to lead in the role model I want to be for my for Adam. So I feel that what was pivotal, um, I wouldn't say it's becoming a parent, but recognizing that I know for certain every sacrifice I made, the hard work, all the tears shed along the way, helped me get to where I am today. And I'm definitely grateful for Every challenge that I went through, looking back on, has prepared me for the role I have today leading a national organization and having the confidence to say that I can and the organization will succeed despite the disruption with COVID, despite um, the uncertainty in the world. So I feel that there was a combination of things and the advice that I often give to people is don't, don't shut a door too soon. I mean, and if one door closes, trust me, another one's going to open if you have that right mindset. And there were moments I thought, am I making the right decision? I doubted the choice I made, but I've realized over the years that um, if you're willing to put in the time, willing to put in the effort and really you identify your values very clearly and what matters to you, then you're, you're, you're moving in the right just direction. And sometimes it takes a lot of courage to make difficult decisions, 
despite the advice you're given. And I can tell you, it took me a long time to know what's good advice and what's bad advice and how to feel confident to just make that decision on myself by myself. Um, and I just finished uh, my master, my professional masters at the University of Windsor. My husband and I did that three-year program. But so many people discouraged me to drop out of that program and um, after finding out I was pregnant or to put it on hold and I said no like I want to pursue it and I'm going to do it until I can't and although while I was doing it it was diff insanely difficult we made so many sacrifices um, I didn't see my friends I didn't see my family as much as I would have loved to uh, because there was an end goal I knew that this was just a moment in in my career a moment in my time that I really needed to balance my time so that I'm able to complete my master's, be a great, good mother, um, and then work at the University of Windsor while leading Build a Dream. So I was balancing so much, but I am so grateful for that experience um, because it helped build my skills, my experience, my contacts, my knowledge. Um, and it every decision I made during the last three years, four years led me to where I am headed in the future and where I am today. So I, I don't know if that answered your question. Uh, hope it did. <laughs> yeah, um, but no. There's no one pivotal moment. I think it's like accumulation of so many different experiences. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, that that's a great, you know, story that you have behind it and, you know, what you have gone through. And another point you had touched on is, you know, the struggles with COVID-19 right now for a lot of organizations. Um, how has this affected Build a Dream and sort of what, what sort of pivots have you had to make as an organization to cope with this? So it's been the hardest five months of leading an organization. And I empathize with every leader. Um, it doesn't matter what industry they're in or what what they're leading. I know how difficult personally it's been leading uh, a team, leading an organization while trying to pivot at a time where so much is uncertain. Um, I mentioned that I decided to leave my full-time position at the university. My last day was the Wednesday before the state of emergency was announced on the Friday. And we had just finalized all of our events in the GTA area. We had five in-person events in the GTA area attracting over a thousand families at each of the event. We had one scheduled for Calgary. So it was our first time scaling outside of the province of Ontario. So six events total and the state of emergency was announced on Friday. By Monday, we had canceled all of our events um, that were scheduled for April and May. And by the end of that week, we decided that we were going to host a digital career discovery expo in six weeks. So I don't know if I left enough time for me to process um, the devastation of canceling six events. I went straight into problem solving mode and, and really focusing on what it's going to take to successfully pivot the organization because I knew really early on that this wasn't going to go away. And we deal with the school boards, we deal with grade school and high school students. And that was a population that immediately schools were shut down. And I and knowing and having the history, the six years of working with school boards, I knew that 
even if things came back, they wouldn't come back at the scale that they that they were at where we would have a thousand um, people at more than a thousand people at each of our events. So for me, it was really important to see how can we continue on our mission? Like, so why do we exist? And how can we do this digitally? And what matters most to us? And, and that was very key in every decision that I made. I made very difficult decisions. Uh, some were much harder than others. Um, there are moments I doubted, a lot of moments I doubted, but there was no time for me to really just sit and, and cry like I would have wanted to, to be honest. Uh, I just had to, I had to solve the problem because it took six years to get to this point and to finally see the organization scale across Canada. And what was beautiful, and I often talk about, you know, I always get signs from the universe. I, I put my energy out there and, and, and really envision the future I want. And we had just received federal funding, a large investment from the federal government in March, like the beginning of March, and then COVID was, COVID happened. So I feel that was a blessing in disguise because it would have been very difficult to continue our large operation without that investment. And that was our first government funding after six years of bootstrapping our own funds. So to answer your question, I saw COVID as an opportunity for the organization and it opened our eyes to um, look at the different pieces of the business that um, we never felt we had time to look at. So whether it was um, how do we how do we have a platform that engages rural communities? Um, that was always key. How do we um, effectively have a platform that reaches thousands of people and keeps the costs low? So there was a lot of co different conversations we had internally that we would have probably never had because we've always been so busy like running these events. Um, and then how do we maximize our ability to influence the career decisions young women are making? And how do we then branch off into talking about the importance of diversity and inclusion on a global level? Because even though we focused so much on building women's capacity in the workforce and getting them into male dominated industries, we've worked with newcomer women, indigenous women, black women. So we've always really focused on diversity and inclusion. What COVID allowed us to do was look at our platform and see how can we really shape communities beyond just supporting women, but opening the doors to helping companies um, create a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive um, community. So COVID was very difficult and continues to be very challenging, um, but I feel that it's opened a whole new way of doing business for our organization. And so when uh, we're able to go back to events, we'll have the option of in-person events, but then we would have built this amazing digital space that can create a, an engaging community. So people can't come to see us person, uh, in person, they can, they can reach out to us through our online community. And uh, it's, been, it's been working really effectively. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, a great way to look at it and, you know, turn it into that opportunity. And I think that's the organizations that are going to come out 
um, better in the end from this um, is, you know, looking at it and taking this time to really better the organization. So I love that that's the route that you guys have taken. Um, and then what would you say has been your greatest accomplishment through Build a Dream, um, either yourself or the organization as a whole? I was, it's hard to like really pinpoint like, like one particular accomplishment. I would say that one proud moment was really during COVID because no one could have planned for this and no industry planned for it. And I think that our ability to respond as quickly as we did and to host our digital conf career discovery conference six weeks after we had to cancel all the in-person events and having to deal with that loss while still learning a whole new platform. And then having 2,900 families register for that event and, and hear you know, great feedback from young women that attended, from families that attended, and being able to reach so many homes during a time where many people felt lost and uncertain and being able to empower them and influence them, I think was a really proud moment for the organization because it proved to us that um, A, we're able to withstand such a significant disruption um, in the world, but secondly, that our mission, regardless of uh, what's happening around us is really, really important. And that was the key message that uh, was sent to the team and all of our supporters, that we recognize that COVID is real and um, the health and safety of everyone and practicing social, social distancing is very important. But we as an organization can't lose sight of our end goal. And that's to help young women lead to financial independence. And we do that through giving them access to all these different amazing career pathways. And we know that some of the industries that we represented, whether it was construction, whether it was manufacturing, those industries, like for example, construction was thriving and continues to thrive. And they're projecting a huge gap in recruiting enough people into the industry. So that work was essential despite all the other challenges that were happening around us. So I think that that was a significantly proud moment, including the, the grant that we received from the federal government through STAR, um, because what people don't know is that took a year and a half of constant consultation, going back and forth, submitting a number of proposals to finally secure that. So. I feel that that was, and to receive such a large investment um, for the first time, allowed us to really build our credibility in our presence and um, showcase that an organization like Build Dream is essential because it's going to help not only build the future workforce, but help diversify and create a more inclusive workforce that's needed to create more innovative ideas, solve problems, um, and create a more equitable way of, of doing business. So I feel like those are two things that I would say um, through the organization we're extremely proud of. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, those are definitely very big milestones. Um, so congratulations. And I think that I'm so excited to see what the organization has to come. And then how can people get involved in Build a Dream if they'd like? I know it is, you know, um, sort of targeted for those young women, but even men or other, other people, how can they all get involved? 
Definitely. Um, there's multiple ways you can get involved. I, I should know that we are in the process of uh, launching a new website that's launching at the end of September, which is going to um, include our rebrand and just um, a platform that's going to be a little bit easier for people to feel that they can get involved and be a part of our organization. And speaking of the involvement of men, um, it is so key to the work that we do. And many of our greatest supporters are men in the industry. If you think of you know, working with male-dominated industries, naturally, you're const I'm constantly meeting with uh, male leaders, with male decision makers. And it's really great to see how many men feel like they are part of the solution and and truly getting women into this industry is not a women's issue it's an economic issue and i often say that so we have a lot of um, male allies that support the work that we do and have opened a significant amount of doors two of the co-founders um, were frank abrazazi and, and jonathan as a party who currently sit on my board who have been great advisors great mentors and great supporters um, but there's I, there's hundreds of them. Like some of my greatest role models and mentors are our male allies. But then again, um, focusing on the importance of women supporting women is very key as well. So I'm all about women's empowerment, but us, you know, communicating success and opportunity to each other and really speaking to each other in a very respectful and kind manner. I think that uh, it's really important that women support each other um, and that uh, we recognize that there's enough room for all of us to be at the top. There's enough room for all of us to succeed. And that is really, really important. I'm not about the shame culture or or guilting people, into, especially women. Women face so much guilt and I didn't realize how much guilt you can face until I became a mom. And then I realized that's a whole nother world and a whole nother challenge. So I think that it's important as women that we look at each other and we build each other up as opposed to tear each other down. Um, and that's something that's very key about the organization um, and, and the values that we have and the message that we try to spread. Uh, so to answer your question, I think the greatest way that someone can support us or get involved is follow us on social media. And we have our upcoming International Day of the Girl Global Summit. So it's our first global summit where we're not just focused on uh, the audience from across Canada, but across the globe. And we have an amazing list of panelists, both young women that have done phenomenal things across the globe to support um, young women in different communities. But we also have a panel of industry experts that are going to help um, industry and education uh, develop different techniques and tools and resources and best strategies so that they could, sorry, excuse me, they could diversify their workforce or their different practices. And then we have um, an experiential box that we uh, put together. Um, it was important for us to support uh, female entrepreneurs, especially during COVID as they, their businesses have really struggled to um, do well. So our experience box um, you could purchase with your, you get with your VIP ticket, it's over $200 in values and every single item in there was purchased from a female entrepreneur. And this box is absolutely amazing and phenomenal. So I highly encourage um, those listening to purchase that box because there's only a limited um, quantity available um, and you won't regret it. And so not only will you be supporting our organization, but you'll be supporting over 10 female business owners that really benefited 
from us investing in them and including their product and marketing their product um, during our during our global summit. Um, and then you could shoot us an email at info at webuildadream.com. We have different, many different initiatives that would probably take me over an hour to talk about. Um, but check out our new website. You can check out our website now or just email us to if you're interested in getting involved. Um, we just launched um, in Windsor a diversity and inclusion task force that's going to look at, you know, what is Windsor Essex doing to ensure that we really prioritize a more diverse and inclusive community from both a political leadership workforce and educational um, representation. I do believe you can't be what you can't see. And that is my motto. And I genuinely believe it. Coming from a background where my family immigrated to Canada when I was one, I was born in Lebanon. My We grew up poor. Um, we didn't grow up with a large network. My family, I paid my way through university. My family didn't even finish high school, so they didn't have a large network where their friends could get me a job somewhere. I did it all on my own, built my own network. And networks are such a valuable tool to have if you're trying to succeed, whether it's in your professional career, your educational career, it opens up so many doors. And we need to recognize not everyone has access to that network. So what are we doing as individuals, as leaders, as organizers to help youth that don't have that opportunity build that network so that they can have the same chance at succeeding as someone who may have had that privilege of being born into an amazing network. And so uh, that's another way that people can get involved. We just launched a national council called Her Power, um, and it's representing women in the skilled trades, STEM, emergency response, and entrepreneurship. And we really want to hear from women in the industry about what could we do better or differently to attract more young women to see themselves in those roles um, and act as role models. And then we have programming, we have events. So there's there's a slew of ways that the community can get involved. So we'd love to hear from you. And we're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, you can contact me as well. I'm more than happy to share how you can get involved. So um, I hope people will get involved. I think that diversity and inclusion efforts is should be part of everyone's DNA and should be a part of everyone's journey because I'm a true believer that it is important for all of us to not only think of what's in it for me, but how do the decisions I make today impact those around me? And no other time in, in our lifetime did we realize that COVID and, and the, pen, the global pandemic is not discriminating against anyone. Some communities are harder hit than others, but it's showcasing that we're all the same, we're all in the same playing field. No one can hide from COVID. So that being said, shouldn't we owe it to humanity to play a role in making each other's lives easier? Like looking at life through a lens of um, equality and equity as opposed to privilege and what I deserve more of what could I do to build the capacity of others to succeed? I've always looked at life that way. My mom taught me really young that even if you have a dollar to give, you give that dollar because you don't need it. You, ha you have a roof, you have food on the table, we have each other and that's enough. So I feel that that really allows me 
to lead in my personal, professional, and my community life in that way. And that's the message that I hope people take away, that you play a role in solving these problems. And as big as these problems may seem, if I look back eight years ago where um, I looked at the numbers of women in skilled trades at the time, it was 3%. Now we're kind of titter-tottering between 5 and 6%. To say, you know, we want to reach 50%, that's a, that's a big goal, and that's, and the barriers preventing women from accessing these pathways was a big problem. It wasn't just get awareness. It was, you know, diversifying the workforce, getting them hired, providing childcare opportunities, trans, uh, eliminating transportation barriers. It, it's so, it's so big. But if I let that, how big the problem deter me and discourage me from thinking that I can solve it, then build a dream would have never been born and would have never scaled across Canada. But that took so many others that said, I want to join this movement. I want to support your, your, your goal and your mission to help empower young women to succeed. So one thing I often say, maybe it's not build a dream that you want to get involved with, but there's so many solutions where we need individuals from different backgrounds, different experiences to share their insight and to share their ideas on what they would do differently to solve this problem. And I think that that is one piece of advice I'd love to leave with everyone listening is that really if we all looked at problems in a way where how can I solve this and what role do I play, it would it would remove the, the fear of thinking that we're all doomed and it would replace it with this sense of accomplishment and empowerment that your voice does matter, that every action is going to make a difference and that together we are stronger. So that is something that I often encourage through Build a Dream, but also across the community for everyone to feel a part of the solution. The problem seems scary at the time, but if we find the courage and the strength, um, then we'll be able to get through all these struggles together. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree. And I think that's a great message to leave with everyone. And I love the way that, you know, you conveyed that to the audience. And I think that it's something that a lot of people can take away from and a great way to look at it. And so, you know, leaving off on that note, I guess, you know, you had mentioned some of the future plans for Build a Dream. Is there any other ones that you'd like to share before we wrap up here for the organization? Yeah, I'll leave it really quick. Um, one of the things that as an organization we're really working on, and I mentioned it briefly, is just our diversity and inclusion efforts and how we play a pivotal role in, in supporting organizations and individuals, and not only creating a more diverse and inclusive community in Windsor-Essex, but really supporting all organizations and individuals to embed that into their own DNA and into the way and encourage them to approach decision-making and situations through a, a diverse and inclusive lens. I think that that really, really is uh, matters. So in the next couple of months, you're gonna see some really exciting announcements. We have some amazing things in the works. We have six events lined up, including the diversity, the, the International Day of the Girl Global Summit in October. Uh, and then we have a lot of exciting different programming, some exciting partnerships that we're going to announce. So build a dream as much as it was difficult and challenging to lead in the last five months. It probably has been our biggest growth and biggest opportunity for us to further evolve as an organization to impact a larger demographic of people across not only um, 
Ontario, not only Canada, but um, globally. That's the beauty. Like when you remove all geographical barriers, which COVID did, um, it allowed us to see beyond um, the limits of travel and then see the opportunity that we can really build this movement in so many different ways. And as long as we stay true to our mission, as long as we stay true to our values and our integrity as an organization, then we'll be able to drive this message in a very positive and effective way. So uh, the next couple of months are some really exciting things. Stay tuned for our uh, new website. It's going to be so exciting because it's going to really open doors and, and, and provide young women and families and industry access to so many amazing resources that we've built out over the last few months. Well, that's awesome. I'm, I'm so excited to see what's to come. And um, it sounds like there's a lot of great things in the works there. So I'm excited for the future of it. And where can people go to find all of these exciting things coming up and the organization online? Great. So you could visit our website at www.webuildadream.com or you can visit us on Instagram or any of our social media platforms. You can also follow me at Noor Haitian Fawaz. Um, I'm easily searchable on social media platforms. And we definitely encourage you to email us to learn more about the work that we're doing at info at webuildadream.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Nora. I loved hearing more about your journey as well as build a dream. And yes, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Sarah. And I'm, I'm really excited about your podcast. I love that you've partnered with Rise Windsor Essex. And I think that you've started a community of uh, not only the ability to reach a, a a lot of people, but you're building a, a community where women are supporting women and um, creating uh, the awareness of all the amazing things that are happening across our community. So kudos to you for, for starting this. Um, and I look forward to seeing all the future episodes that you have in the works. Well, thank you very much. That definitely means a lot. I, I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Sarah, and best of luck, and it was so nice chatting with you. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Made It Happen Podcast, the podcast highlighting female entrepreneurs. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and I'll see you next week.